0: Visit AscentEquityGroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T EquityGroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only.
1: It really comes down in the IRS's eyes. Just sources of funds and use of funds. The use of funds for a nonprofit need to fall under one of the exempt purposes, which is why the nonprofit entity exists.
2: It's that time of year again, tax season. Dun, dun, dun. How are you doing on tax season? How's that treating you so far? Well, if you have a lot of receipts and you're organizing things like your income and expenses and creating reports, and you're also trying to keep up to date with the new tax reform this year, there's a lot of deductions that we can take to maximize return, and there's a lot of strategies that we need to make sure we're aware of. Are you optimizing for the new tax laws? Well, our sponsor, Stessa, teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you the ultimate rental property tax guide. And I've read it. This is the ultimate rental property tax guide. I'm talking about, they've got everything covered from opportunity zones to entity selection, to establishing a home office, travel expenses, what type of travel expenses are deductible, real estate strategies, tax strategies, capital improvements versus repairs. I mean, this is the ultimate rental property tax guide and you can get it for free by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. You have to sign up for an account, but the account is free. So when you sign up for a free Stessa account, you will get this guide. This is worth its weight in gold for sure. Go to stessa.com, S-T-E-S-S-A.com forward slash best taxes. And when you work with Stessa. Stessa is a tool that helps every rental property owner track, manage, and communicate the performance of our real estate investment. So it's going to save a lot of time during tax season, but then also through the rest of the season as we go and grow our rental portfolio and optimize that. So go to stessa.com best taxes. Get that ultimate rental property tax guide. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. And first off, I hope you're having a best ever weekend because today is Sunday. We got a special segment for you called Skill Set Sunday. And here's the skill you're going to acquire. This is a fun one and a rather altruistic skill. And that is creating, managing, and raising money for a nonprofit. We've got an expert who will help us with that, Christian LaFerre. How are you doing, Christian?
1: I'm doing fantastic. How are you, Jeff?
2: I am doing fantastic as well. Nice to have you on the show. And a little bit about Christian. He is the founder and CEO of Changemakers, which starts and manages 501c3s for successful business owners, investors, execs, and celebs. He's raised millions of dollars and run many campaigns during his decade-plus of fundraising. He's based in Denver, Colorado. The URL is in the show notes page, so you can go check that out. So with that being said, Christian, you want to first just give a little bit of background about yourself and then love to dive right into creating, managing, and raising money for a nonprofit. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on the
1: show, and I'm looking forward to where we can go here.
2: Cool. So will you give the best-ever listeners a little bit more about your background? Absolutely. I have been in the nonprofit space on both sort of the issue
1: advocacy side and the public charity side for probably closer to 15 years now. And I have traveled the country, meeting with people on the fundraising circuit, basically meeting with people that I'd never met with before, learning a little bit on the way about their goals, their personal history, et cetera, and then sort of connecting their personal mission with their desire to contribute to a particular nonprofit and coming home with a four or five or six figure gift. So I use that opportunity both because I got to see so much of this incredible country and meet the people that really make it work and make it go around. Some were salary executives or just middle management or whomever, independent people. Some were entrepreneurs, some were real estate investors. So I just got to meet a cross section of the heartland that I'll take with me through the rest of my life. I've also done a lot of communications. I've been a copywriter for many, many years for a sort of direct response, some sort of issue advocacy, political, and growing and consulting with businesses of my own or businesses that I did work for. So a lot of communications, a lot of ultimately what is sales in the nonprofit space, you're not providing tangible to someone for their gift. You're providing them with a connection to creating a better world and a better future in general.
2: So you're the founder and CEO of Changemakers, and is Changemakers a for-profit company or a non
1: Changemakers is for-profit. Structurally, it's an LLC, and I co-founded that with Jacqueline Long, and we help successful entrepreneurs, investors, et cetera, connect their sort of next-level efforts to make more of an impact and a legacy for the future while taking maximum advantage of things like tax strategy and the nonprofit vehicle as a way to give back to the community in a way that doesn't take away from what they're doing
2: now. Mm -hmm. Okay. That makes sense. And I know one of my team members actually reached out to you because he's looking at starting something and that's how we came to know you. So when you are working with a entrepreneur or an executive, whoever's wanting to start a nonprofit, what are some of the questions that they typically ask?
1: Typically when somebody is out to start a 501 , first of all, there's tons of misinformation out there. Now that might be because people operate on conjecture, assumptions, et cetera. It might be because there have been a lot of changes over the years with guidelines and how the IRS views certain things, what their process is, how long it takes, all that kind of thing. So there's a lot of questions around process and timeline. What's permissible and what's not permissible. And then I would say a lot of the questions are just sort of in the weeds operational. How do I switch out a board member and and sort of nitty gritty kind of stuff. But what we try to do is help people with those things and do a lot of those things for the nonprofit founder so that they can focus on their mission. That is the number one thing. And that's where things like tax strategy will come into play or we provide Plug and play sponsorship strategies, for example, so that people don't have to sit there and have hours of meetings about how to stratify different giving levels. There are some templates and some ideas that are tried and true that can work well and help people get past sort of those logistical issues in getting something up and running so they can really focus on their strategic and their lifetime goals and even post-lifetime, right, their generational goals.
2: Why create a 506C? First off, am I saying it right? 506C3, is that accurate?
1: It's a 501C3.
2: Sorry, I was venturing into securities territory where I'm at. Okay.
1: I've actually written memoranda for uh, 506B, which I know right. is your investment vehicle yeah. and right. uh, okay,
2: I'm so, familiar. So 501C3, <laughs> why create one of those compared to going on GoFundMe and say I'm passionate about ponies and I want to help pony rescue. I don't know why ponies are on the mind, but they are. So I want to help okay. pony rescue. Uh, I
1: have an 11 year old daughter. So
2: Okay, cool. Well, I have a one month old daughter, so maybe that's why ponies are on the mind. But when I want to support ponies in my local area, why can't I just do a GoFundMe account and say, hey, everyone, share it on social." Pony rescue, let's make this happen versus going through the whole process, which we'll get into in a little bit, of creating a 501c3. Absolutely.
1: While there often are reasons,
2: typically, if you look at the
1: cross section of the world, 95%, 99% of people are going to give to a GoFundMe or to a particular nonprofit with a donation or taking part in a social campaign sharing initiative or whatever. But there are really three reasons versus methods of engagement. And I have three of those as well. But there are three reasons that someone would want to actually start a nonprofit instead of just give to another nonprofit or a GoFundMe or what have you. Those are primarily simply to give back. Somebody I believe in, I'm sort of a serious capitalist. And I also believe that people have goals and dreams that can't be quantified in a bank account. So, Simply giving back is often a primary reason that someone would want to start a nonprofit because they see a way that they can contribute or their experience growing up in the inner city, growing up without a dad, whatever have you, growing up without a pony. They see the need and they look around and they haven't seen anything that fills that need in the way that they see it. And people say sometimes to me, well, aren't there too many nonprofits already? My answer to that is, Are there too many businesses already? Because the millions of businesses and micro companies that exist in the U.S. are because someone does not see a need filled that is from their angle in a particular community or reaching a particular community. And with 300 million Americans, 7 billion or so on the planet, there are myriad ways that someone can interpret a way to fill a need and a community to approach with that solution that is unique. And nonprofits range from a few thousand dollars, if that, a year, like your local little league, all the way to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So number one is simply to give back.
2: Before we go on to number two, I'm still not clear because if I were to start a GoFundMe account for a pony rescue, then I'm giving back. And if I were to start a GoFundMe account for $100,000 and I were to donate all 100000 towards a pony rescue then I'm giving back just like I would if I had a 501C3, right? Absolutely, but just in the same way that you might be an advocate for a certain
1: company. I love this hardware store. They have the best hammer selection. Go there and you can encourage all your people to go there. But there's a particular type of roofing hammer that nobody carries. You can't find it. You have to order it. It takes weeks. You start a company providing that particular item. It's the same thing with a nonprofit. The reason you might want to start a nonprofit is because no one is doing what you want to do in the way you want to do it. Does that help? Yes, so, that does. So we can get on board with other people. We can see, hey, I'm already aligned with this effort over here. Why don't I just do that? But people start nonprofits for, I'll give you a great example. I'm actually on the board of a nonprofit where this sort of crazy entrepreneur, he's an industrial painter by trade. He created a guitar for a very famous rock band tracked that rock band down, got them to sign it, and now wants to autograph it. And he thinks that he could do this again and again. It's a really neat idea. It's just, again, it's a crazy idea. Nobody's going to do this. And he approached me to not only help him get the nonprofit going, but to sit on the board. And uh, just got approved a few days ago in pretty quick fashion. So nobody's going to do that. And what he wants to do is preserve the legacy of this type of rock this band and bands like it. For future generations, because people who hear of things now, the millennials don't know what it's like to live without a microwave, and future generations might lose that piece of history. So instead of relying on the nonprofit, that probably is the Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, he wants to install statues and sort of places of celebration for these bands in various countries around the world that maybe don't have the seeping and memorabilia and experience like we have in America. That's pretty unique. No one else is going to do that. And I just think it would be fun to work with these kinds of bands. And these guys are getting old. They want to contribute too. So it gives them an opportunity to not just go to another signing or go to another gala event in LA, but to really bring this to people in Cambodia and places where generationally they haven't had the opportunity to
2: experience
1: this kind of thing.
2: Noted. Okay. Number two. Number two,
1: it would be to create an organization in a way that aligns a corporate social responsibility effort through the nonprofit and a for-profit venture. And for example, talking with Grant in your office and what you want to do, you want to bring, um, and I don't want to reveal the mission if that's not something you're ready to roll out. But That's fine. Okay. So you want to help veterans. Obtain housing, right and what a great thing to do! What a great way to inspire other people to maybe copycat you in their own jurisdiction, their own geography and place that you're not doing this. So you can give away a home in a massive and I know someone that's already done this and created an incredible model that I'm, I'm going to share with you, raffled these tickets to these sponsorships and that on a massive national scale, that has a halo effect, right? You're doing something that brings light to the world. And that light is positively reflecting on Joe Fairless, your investing company, your team, yourself. There's nothing wrong at all with reflecting positively on your for-profit venture by doing something that is literally going to put a veteran in a home. That is awesome. So aligning those two things by having a nonprofit alongside a for-profit is something that is a main primary focus of us at Changemakers. So hopefully that example serves to illustrate that point. And then last, but certainly not least, is to take advantage of tax strategies. Yes, you can take advantage of tax strategies by doing certain things like donating property into Fidelity Charitable, for example, and maximizing the upside on a long-term held property. You can't do it with short-term holdings. You can do it with long-term. If you do it with short-term, you can only get the cost basis. Longer-term, you can get a massive write-off by donating it. That's kind of like donating appreciated stocks. But our philosophy at Changemakers is to do all three of these because we have to get past the stereotyping that by making money, you're not for the social good. Profit is evil, all that stuff. It's total BS. It deserves to be relegated to the trash bin of history. You cannot save the world if you can't pay the rent. And they are. They're starting out now. On day one of forming a company, they've got a social idea in mind. Back in the 50s and 60s, a lot of these folks that I would fundraise from as I traveled the country, great people, right? They're a Midwest farm implement to the manufacturer, for example. They make things that you drag behind a tractor. They're doing 30 million a year. They have everything they want. Their family has everything they want. And then they say, oh, what about my legacy? I'm getting older. I'm, I'm 50, 60, 70 years old. I want to give back. It is a different paradigm now. There's been a massive shift where young people, and heck, I'm 50, I'm young, from the outset of the company, they have a social purpose in mind. I'm a foster parent and I've adopted through the foster care system. So I have a particular passion around that. My sister is developmentally disabled. I've been to Special Olympics since I was a kid. I've got certain affinities. And when you start a company and there's a great purpose behind it, it's much more powerful on those bad days. And when you're losing money or you make a bad deal, it's the mission that drives you forward. and If you can align your personal mission with your business mission, I think that's going to bring people the kind of satisfaction that leads to fewer Prozac prescriptions, personally.
2: I would agree with that. And what are the costs associated to starting one? The costs
1: can vary. There are a couple of different tracks to getting 501c3. So the IRS has a, a tiered filing fee structure, for example. But it's not just about starting the 501 entity itself. Yes, we've done that thousands of times successfully. I've been involved in many thousands of those. What I realized after thousands of these is that the likelihood of success long-term for the founder is also having the system set up to get the funding in and to set up the sustainability systems, like with any business, for things like compliance, staying on mission, and getting the board or getting any staff and people that are involved in the nonprofit to be aligned on the same page and then that will drive the organization forward and what happens with nonprofits a lot a if they're underfunded especially the founder gets burnt out and the thing becomes sort of a side project that never really gets runs under its own power or if they don't plan ahead there can be sort of founder syndrome where everything's falling on the founder over time they don't get enough buy-in and it's like a company where Somebody's not grooming C-level and middle management to be C-level and to take over and growing people. What happens is there just becomes a stagnation and maybe the company that could be doing 50 million a year plateaus at five and is dysfunctional and no one's really excited to go to work in the morning. So what we do is we provide a holistic approach to all of those things so that you know exactly what the policies are in aligning your for-profit and your nonprofit, where you can get in trouble and where you don't have to get in trouble. How do you make money? You founded the nonprofit. Can you be a director and a paid staff? The answer is yes. But it's how that's done that's important. So those are the kinds of things that I find sort of the best predictors for success. And that's why we're templating these things and consulting so that we can align the mission and sort of the
2: function. So what are the typical itemized costs for starting one?
1: If you were to itemize the cost, you can be looking at about $10,000 for starting the nonprofit, putting all the policies in place and aligning the bylaws, the charges that you have to your directors and officers, and all those kinds of things, with the mission of the nonprofit and with the day-to-day functioning, how do things work, and setting up the systems so that the nonprofit can operate properly. It can range from about 5,000 to 10,000 to get started, and then there are ongoing maintenance costs that you need to pay attention to. And it's subjective; it can vary. To get particular, there are a series of questions that will qualify what the costs really are and how long it takes. The maintenance costs can be fairly minimal, a couple thousand dollars a year, or even maybe a thousand, depending on the budget. Two, if you are fundraising in a very public way, you have a donate button, you're doing a lot of social, you're not just getting from a very close-knit group of people, larger donors, the 41 states regulate. Charitable fundraising and you have to register in those states. And that cost can be five to ten thousand a year. But when you're doing two, three million a year or, or more, that becomes just the cost of doing business. So on one hand, I don't want to scare anyone with big numbers because most nonprofits don't incur those kinds of costs because they're not doing big massive public fundraising campaigns. But that is the range that it can go to. And if you go to our website, you can see. There's a $5,000 package. There's a $15,000 package, which has a lot of ongoing maintenance where it's sort of done for you. You can stay focused on your mission. We take care of everything else.
2: What is something that is not permissible that some people mess up on because they don't know any better?
1: Impermissible things, well, certainly commingling of funds. Say you're running a for-profit and a non nonprofit together alongside of each other, I shouldn't say together, but your audience might. The listener would want to have a decision making process that is very distinct for the nonprofit, alongside of and separate from the for profit. So, the for profit, you might have a board, you might not, it might just be a solopreneur. But say you have a group of people that are involved in the decision making process for your for profit real estate investment company, you can share. Directors, I recommend not having a majority or at least not having a hundred percent overlap of directors because that's going to create some separation and bring some sunlight into each process. But you want to have a distinct bank account decision making processes. You might have lots of your company people that volunteer for your nonprofit, but you sort of want to look at this as two different hats that you would wear. You take off one hat to put on the other hat. You don't stack them on top of each other. So the same person can wear a number of different hats in an organization, but want to take those off when they go do work for their for-profit. So it really comes down in the IRS's eyes to sources of funds and use of funds. The use of funds for a nonprofit need to fall under one of the exempt purposes, which is why the nonprofit entity exists.
2: Anything else as it relates to creating, managing, and raising money for a nonprofit that you want to mention before we close out that we haven't talked about?
1: Absolutely. I had mentioned earlier, there's sort of three types of nonprofit that real estate investors might want to start or get involved in. Number one is the general education and or community nonprofit. This is where you're putting information out to the public. You're teaching them about real estate or you're teaching them about a certain aspect of what you do. And it's available to everyone. It could be paid membership or it could be just for free. But education is a primary one. And then creating community. Like we've done a number of angel investing groups. The Bible mc 3 can have the pitch fest. It can get everybody together into the rooms where they educate people on how to become an angel investor, et cetera. When the deal is made, those doors close. And another door opens and that's where the for-profit or the other type of entity would be involved in actually putting deals together. Number two would be a purpose-specific vehicle, like the one that you were talking about starting with you, where you give away a property or you rescue ponies or whatever, and you just want to start one for a particular purpose. And the third is to donate property to take advantage of some of the tax strategies that are available. There isn't really a goodwill of real estate donations. And most nonprofits have a lot of trouble. If you called your average nonprofit up the street from you, they would find it very difficult to accept a real estate parcel. So there are organizations and companies that do specifically that and sort of turn those into cash for the nonprofit. But you could also give properties direct to a charity if they're capable of accepting those. And so those were just a few of the final points I wanted to make on creating, managing, and giving through a 501c3 happy to provide more information. People want to go to our website. It would be changemakers.world slash Joe.
2: Cool. Good stuff. Well, Christian, thank you so much for being on the show talking about the costs associated to doing this, why to do it or why people do it, as well as what's permissible, what's not permissible, and some commonly asked questions that perhaps someone who is listening who wants to do something more formalized with their philanthropic efforts, they've been wondering and you addressed them. So thanks again for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever weekend and we'll talk to you again soon.
1: Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Joe. I really enjoyed being on the show and have an awesome weekend.
2: Stessa is the essential tool for tracking your rental properties and it's going to save you a tremendous amount of time during tax season. Stessa organizes all of your rental property financials and automatically creates all the reports you need to file your tax return. And Stessa teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you, best ever listeners, the ultimate rental property tax guide to help you maximize your deductions. Get that copy when you sign up for an account. The account's free. So get the copy by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. That's S T E S S -S A dot com forward slash best taxes when it's friday at 4 30 p.m it's time for entrepreneur drinks podcast which is co-produced by joint ops properties and discount property investors join their end of the work week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com dot com that's entrepreneur dot com